Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. How many Latter-day Saints have really been converted according to their definition of the word? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we are looking at Roman numeral number three, three of four, in a talk given by Dallin H. Oaks, first counselor in the first presidency. It was a conference message that he gave in October of 2023 titled Kingdoms of Glory. And we've spent quite a bit of time looking at this conference message, and one of the reasons why I explained yesterday, this is one of the few conference messages that we hear in recent years that goes into a lot of detail regarding unique LDS teaching. And of course, what Dallin Oaks is trying to teach us here is that there is, in fact, three degrees of glory, and it depends on what you do, what you believe, how you act, whether or not you really convert. That will determine where you end up in the next life. Under Roman numeral three, he starts off by saying, the Apostle Paul taught that the Lord's teachings and commandments were given that we may all attain the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, first of all, I would say technically that is true. But one thing that Dallin Oaks is doing here is he's trying to make it to where the Apostle Paul is saying that commandment keeping is what's necessary if you hope to receive celestial exaltation. Now, keep that in mind, folks, because he's talking about the same Apostle Paul that's also the same Paul that gave us Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where Paul makes it very clear that we're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. The same Paul that gives us Romans 3, the same Paul that says we're justified by faith, and the same Paul that does make a distinction between what justifies a person in the eyes of God and what sanctifies an individual in the eyes of God. What does the Apostle Paul actually say in the verse that he cites in his footnote. Now, that's footnote number 23. It's Ephesians 4.13, but I think it would be proper to quote Paul properly to start with verse 11 and put it in a little bit of a context here. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When you look at it in its proper context, he's talking about the work of the ministry. He's talking about sanctification, what we as God's people should do and look forward to in order that we might mature in Christ and so forth. But he's not saying, Paul is not saying that unless we keep all these various commandments and ordinances and every other thing on the list that the Mormon church has for its people, that somehow we're not going to receive eternal life. That is not what the context is saying here. So here we have another case of Dallin Oaks taking Paul out of context. But he goes on to say that process requires far more than acquiring knowledge. 
Now, when he says process, we as New Testament Christians are going to think sanctification, because that is a process. Some of us are more sanctified than others, and it is something that is going to take the rest of our lives, and even then we're not going to perfect this process of sanctification. There will always be something in our lives that need improving. But when it comes to justification, that is not a process. That is instantaneous. When we come to faith in Christ, his righteousness becomes our righteousness. His righteousness is imputed to us, even though we're not worthy of that righteousness. It is given to us. It is put in our account. We become new creatures in Christ. But Dallin Oaks is going to twist what Paul says and make it sound like he's really talking about what justifies us or qualifies us in order to enter into the celestial kingdom. He continues, it is not even enough to be convinced of the gospel. We must act so that we are converted by it. In contrast to other preaching, which teaches us to know something, the gospel of Jesus Christ challenges us to become something. From such teachings, we conclude that the final judgment is not just an evaluation of a sum total of good and evil acts, what we have done. It is based on the final effects of our acts and thoughts, what we have become. We qualify for eternal life through a process of conversion. Let me stop you there, Eric. We qualify for eternal life through a process of conversion. Now, see, again, we would look at the context of that word conversion in this sentence as, well, he's talking about sanctification. But no, he's not. He's talking about what justifies an individual, what qualifies them to have this eternal life. We qualify for eternal life. Not because of our faith in what Christ did for us, not in believing that Jesus paid the total price for our salvation through his life, death, and resurrection. No, we must qualify, and we do it by this process of conversion, what we would say is sanctification. As New Testament Christians, we would have to object to that kind of a conclusion, because that's not what Paul taught. And yet, Dallin Oaks is giving the impression that that is exactly what Paul is teaching. When he says, from such teachings, we conclude that the final judgment is not just an evaluation of a sum total of good and evil acts, what we have done. It is based on the final effect of our acts and thoughts, what we have become. Our final acts and thoughts, what we have become. But yet, when we talk with Latter-day Saints— most of them will tell us that they have not really taken on that image of Heavenly Father at this point in their life. They're certainly striving to be like him, but they would tell you, well, no, I still have a long way to go. And the, and the reason why I bring this up is because of what Oakes says later on in this paragraph. It is not enough for anyone just to go through the motions, the commandments Ordinances and covenants of the gospel are not a list of deposits required to be made in some heavenly account. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a plan that shows us how to become what our Heavenly Father desires us to become. Okay, so that means if we were to go up to a Latter-day Saint, Eric, and ask them, have you become what your Heavenly Father desires you to become? 
Now, I've asked that question, not those exact words, but along those lines. Rarely do I ever get an affirmative answer for that. Have you? No. Well, if they're not giving us a, a resounding yes, absolutely, well, what does that say for that individual? It seems to tell me that they do not qualify for this eternal life that is this process of conversion. Because uh, very clearly, he says, the commandments, ordinances, and covenants of the gospel are not a list of deposits required to be made in some heavenly account. Well, when you are making these covenants, saying that you will keep the commandments, and how many Latter-day Saints have we talked to who admit they're not doing what they're supposed to do? Well, then they haven't become what Heavenly Father desires. If they haven't become in this life, then they're not qualified to be able to go to the celestial kingdom. He's going to quote later, he's going to quote from Alma chapter 34, and we're going to say, yeah, chapter 34 of Alma says that you have to keep the commandments in this lifetime, or you're not going to be qualified to get celestial glory that he's been talking about. Well, think about this, Eric. We know, as a statistic— that far less than half of those who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints qualify for a temple recommend. The church obviously is growing in a lot of areas where they don't even have temples, and so I wouldn't say that those who desire to go to uh, should be criticized for that if they really desire. But notice here in Utah, we have temples all over the place, and we know that a lot of Latter-day Saints that are members of the church here locally don't go to the temple, and they don't tithe. And even if they were to go to the temple, and they were to tithe, if it's not a part of who they are, they're just going through the motions. Dallin Oak says, that's what you can't do. It is not enough for anyone just to go through the motions. That would make me think that if you have a member who begrudgingly pays his tithes because he was told by his ecclesiastical leader that he better do it or he's going to lose his temple recommend, the little card that allows him to enter a temple and to go through the various rituals of the temple, that he really hasn't become what he's supposed to be. So he's only going through the motions. You probably have a lot of Latter-day Saints sitting in pews on Sunday morning singing the songs only because everybody else is singing the songs, but they have not become as Dallin Oaks is trying to imply in this particular section of his, of his message. So how many Latter-day Saints can we really point to and say, hey, I guess they've really met the requirement that Dallin Oaks is talking about, because I agree with you, Eric. Uh, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is a plan that shows us how to become what our Heavenly Father desires us to become, if you were to ask me, have I become what our Heavenly Father desires me to become, I'll have to say, as far as my sanctification is concerned, no. No. I, I've been at this for over four decades, and I still have a ways to go. Well, and the difference between what we're talking about as far as what Mormonism teaches and what biblical Christianity teaches can be seen in this very small section, because he says the gospel of Jesus Christ challenges us to become something. I don't know of any evangelical Christian who would say, you have to become something. But Jesus wants to make us new creations. He, he imputes his righteousness into our accounts based not what on what we have done, but based on what he has done. But in Mormonism, you have to become something. And then he goes on to the next 
uh, paragraph, and he says, it's based on what we have done. It is based on the final effect of our acts and thoughts, what we have become. We qualify for eternal life through a process of conversion. Bill, would you ever say, as an evangelical, Bible-believing Christian, that you qualify for eternal life? No. In fact, I can't imagine any New Testament Christian ever saying that, apart from explaining that the only reason he quote-unquote qualifies is because of what Jesus did for him. We would never point to ourselves. See, Paul would never point to himself. This is why I think Dallin Oaks is twisting again Paul's words. Paul would never say, I qualify. He's the same Paul that said, we have no room to boast. And when you say, I qualify, is that not a boast? I remember this conversation I had with a man down at the Mormon Miracle Pageant. He thought he qualified, and then he gives me a list. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. He started going down this long list of all his qualifications. And after he finished, I finally says, you know, based on how you started all your sentences with the word I, it doesn't sound like you really understand what the gospel is about in the New Testament. And I think that's a problem for many Latter-day Saints. And certainly I would say that it's a problem for someone like Dallin Oaks, who's educating Latter-day Saints on what he thinks they must do. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.